Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Good morning and welcome to the Dollarama Fiscal 2022 First Quarter Results Conference Call. Neil Rossi, President and CEO, and JP Towner, CFO, will make a short presentation which will be followed by a question and answer period, open exclusively to financial analysts. The press release financial statements and management's discussion and analysis are available at Dollarama com in the Investor Relations section as well as on CDAR. Before we start, I have been asked by Dollarama to read the following message regarding forward-looking statements. Dollarama's remarks today may contain forward-looking statements about its current and future plans, expectations, intentions, results, level of activity, performance, goals or achievements, and any other future events or developments. Forward-looking statements are based on information currently available to management and on estimates and assumptions made based on factors that management believes are appropriate and reasonable in the circumstances. However, there can be no assurance that such estimates and assumptions will prove to be correct. Many factors could cause actual results, levels of activity, performance, achievements, future events or developments to differ materially from those expressed or implied by the forward-looking statements. As a result, Dollarama cannot guarantee that any forward-looking statement will materialize and you are cautioned not to place undue reliance on these forward-looking statements. For additional information on the assumptions and risks, please contact, consult the cautionary statement regarding forward-looking information contained in Dollarama's MDNA dated June 9, 2021, available on CDAR. Forward-looking statements represent management, management's expectations as at June 9, 2021, and, except as may be required by law, Dollarama has no intention and undertakes no obligation to update or revise any forward-looking statement, whether as a result of new information, future events, or otherwise. I would now like to turn the conference call over to Neil Rossi. Please go ahead, sir. Thank you, operator, and good morning, everyone. The Dollarama team continues to demonstrate its ability to adapt in order to serve Canadians safely and with purpose. We delivered another solid performance for the first quarter of fiscal 2022. We generated a double-digit increase in sales along with strong same-store sales growth and industry-leading margins. This is despite additional COVID-19 restrictions implemented across Canada in early April. These included strict measures directly impacting select retailers in Ontario, where we have 40% of our stores. The COVID impact in the first quarter was similar to what we experienced in the fourth quarter. That is, we entered the quarter with solid momentum, in this case, right through early April, with same-store sales growth in the mid-teens. Then, in the last month of the quarter, our sales were negatively impacted by additional measures taken by provincial governments in response to the pandemic's third wave. The ban on the sale of non-essential goods in Ontario, which is the most significant of these measures, 
was in place for the last 23 days of the first quarter and it currently remains in place today and is set to expire on June 11th. Against this backdrop, sales nonetheless increased by 13% year over year. Same-store sales were up nearly 6% driven by higher sales of seasonal items, including Easter, holiday, and spring-summer products. The opposite occurred in the same period last year, with customers buying large quantities of household and cleaning products, not Easter decorations. Looking at real estate, we have started off the year with a good new store opening rhythm, having opened 12 net new stores this quarter. This is compared to 10 in the same period last year. As a result, you can expect an uptick in the quarterly number of net new stores openings as we reach the second half of the year. Turning to Dollar City, as planned, they opened their first store in Peru last month, thereby entering a new and fourth market of growth in Latin America. Like Colombia, the product offering in Peru includes products up to $4 US price point, adjusted in the equivalent local currency. Our local management team continues to deliver a solid operational performance in all countries of operation. We're pleased with their progress and ability to execute on the business's growth strategy. On the ESG front, I am pleased with the progress we have made integrating sustainability initiatives company-wide over the last two years and during a pandemic. We published our second ESG report this morning, now available on our corporate website. As a team, we are more committed than ever to managing our operations and resources responsibly and to serving our customers with purpose. Looking ahead, and despite near-term impact of COVID-19 restrictions which remain in place, our solid momentum in the first two months of the fiscal year reflects the relevance of our unique business model and the compelling product offering to Canadian consumers from all walks of life. I would like to thank our customers for navigating the situation with us and for their continued loyalty. Our customers have been very supportive and at times quite vocal about their desire to shop at Dollarama during the pandemic. And we appreciate that enormously. This has only further reinforced the role we play in the Canadian retail ecosystem. With that, I'll hand it over to JP to discuss our results in more detail. JP, over to you. Thank you, Neil, and good morning, everyone. Let's start by taking a closer look at sales. Total sales for the first quarter of fiscal 2022 increased by 13% to $954 million, driven by an increase in the total number of stores as well as SSS growth. Looking at same-store sales for the first nine weeks of the quarter or the nine-week period ended April 4, 2021, we recorded same-store sales of 15.2% compared to the corresponding period of the previous fiscal year driven by strong seasonal sales, Easter holiday, and spring-summer products. However, various provinces across Canada subsequently imposed new or more stringent measures due to the sharp rise in COVID case counts. This included a stay-at-home order 
and a ban on the sale of non-essential goods across Ontario, which went into effect on April 8, 2021. This had an immediate and sustained impact on sales for the remainder of the quarter. As a result, comparable store sales growth receded to 5.8% for the full first quarter of fiscal 22. Same-store sales growth consisted of a 9.3% increase in average transaction size and a 3.2% decrease in the number of transactions. The basket consolidation trend has continued, although the increase is more modest than last year. As a reminder, while only a limited number of stores were closed in Q1 fiscal 2022, as many as 104 stores were closed during the same period last year, primarily Quebec mall stores, as we're now lapping the pandemic as of the second half of the first quarter last year. This adds a bit more noise to our year-over-year comparisons for this quarter and in the coming quarters. You'll recall that at the onset of the pandemic, we experienced a huge surge in transactions in early March 2020 as customers stocked up on consumables This was followed by a sharp decline in transactions as the first lockdown was implemented. Turning now to gross margin, we recorded a notable increase in Q1 fiscal 22 with gross margin as a percentage of sales coming in in at 42.3%, up from 41.3% last year, as anticipated and discussed during our last quarterly call. This is as a result of increased sales of higher margin seasonal products. SGNA was 16.6% of sales in Q1 fiscal 2022 compared to 16.3% in Q1 last year. SGNA reflects incremental costs related to COVID-19, including hours for in-store cleaning, sanitizing measures to protect the health and safety of staff and customers. These costs amounted to 18 million in the first quarter compared to 14 million last year. In that case, all incurred in the last six weeks of the quarter. Excluding COVID-19 costs, SGNA would have been 14.7% of sales in Q1 fiscal 22 and 14.6% of sales last year. So generally flat year over year as expected. EBITDA was 248 million, representing 26% of sales. Net earnings were 113 million, and diluted EPS was 37 cents, a 32% increase compared to Q1 last year. Our equity pickup of Dollar City's net earnings was 3.4 million in Q1 fiscal 22, compared to 2.4 million in Q1 fiscal 21. Dollar City continues to perform well and opened 15 net new stores in its quarter and in March, March 31st, bringing its total store count to 279 stores. The first store in Peru was opened subsequent to their quarter end, so it is not reflected in this total. Our long-term store target for Dollar City is 600 stores by 2029, and they are right on track. Keep in mind that this target excludes Peru, which is still in its very early stages. In terms of our capital allocation, the board approved a quarterly dividend 
of 5.03 cents per share. We also actively resumed activity under our share buyback program in the quarter. We repurchased 4.9 million shares for a total of 283 million. Our leverage ratio stood at 2.82 times adjusted net debt to EBITDA quarter end. Barring factors outside of our control due to COVID-19, it is our intention to continue share purchases under the NCIB throughout fiscal 2022, while maintaining our leverage ratio between 2.75 times and three times adjusted net debt to EBITDA. Before turning to our outlook, Neil mentioned the publication of our 2021 ESG report, which is based around four pillars, our people, products, supply chain, and operations. This year, we've aligned our ESG disclosure with SASB, uh, which is the standard for our industry and areas of activity. On the people front, we provide a comprehensive overview of our talent training and retention programs, which are resulting in lower turnover and an increase in internal promotions at store level. Regarding products, we outline our achievements and commitments under a robust product quality and compliance programs. We're also reporting on our progress following the full implementation of our three-pronged approach to vendor compliance in our extended supply chain. And regarding our operations, we provide an update on the measurable initiatives underway to minimize our energy consumption and environmental footprint. We also, uh, we've also committed to building a roadmap to align with TCFD recommendations in the future. The objective is to further enhance climate change disclosure and have a plan to reduce or mitigate our carbon impact. We have made great, great strides since the publication of our last report two years ago and remain committed to continuing to integrate TSG across our business. Turning now to our outlook, the COVID-19 situation continues to make it difficult to predict the environment in, in which we'll be operating in the near term, given that the Ontario restrictions have yet to be removed. As such, we continue to only provide limited guidance for fiscal 2022. Looking specifically at Q2 and the near-term impacts of COVID restrictions which remain in place, strict and store capacity limits are expected to remain across Canada at least until the end of the second quarter and to continue to impact store traffic. The ban on the sale of non-essential goods in Ontario, which impacted Dollarama in the last few weeks of Q1, will be lifted on June 11, 2021. It will have been in place for the first full five weeks of our second quarter, a crucial period during which Canadians usually start planning for summer activities and stocking up on related seasonal goods. Also keep in mind that Q2 also keep in mind that, that in Q2, we faced tough comps with the strong performance in Q2 last year, largely driven by strong seasonal sales. But despite the significant impact the Ontario ban will have on our SSS in the second quarter and the, fa the fact that we face tough comps, our confidence in the underlying, business fun the underlying fundamentals of our business model remains. This is a temporary headwind and I can assure you that we're all very eager to be able to once again offer our full product assortment to all of our customers from coast to coast as soon as we're permitted to do so. Looking at full year metrics provided last quarter on net store openings and capital expenditures, the guidance on these two annual metrics remains unchanged. We did not release full year guidance on gross margin or SG&A, 
but the color we provided last quarter still stands. Based on results to date and visibility on open orders, we anticipate gross, mar gross margin as a percentage of sales for the full fiscal year to be relatively flat compared to last year with continued inflation on raw material prices and inbound shipping costs. For SGNA as a percentage of sales, we should also be generally in line with the prior year, excluding direct COVID costs. That concludes our formal remarks. I will now turn it over to the operator for questions from financial analysts. Thank you. Thank you. We will now take questions from the telephone lines. If you have a question and you're using a speakerphone, please lift your handset before making your selection. If you have a question, please press star 1 on your device's keypad. You may cancel your question at any time by pressing star 2. Please press star 1 at this time if you have a question. There will be a brief pause while participants register for questions. Thank you for your patience. And the first question is from Irene Natel from RBC Capital Markets. Please go ahead. Your line is now open. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Thanks, and good morning, everyone. Um, can we start with same-store sales, please? And would you be able to provide us with color on what you've seen in terms of same-store sales and uh, category demand, ex-Ontario versus Ontario? In other words, in the provinces where there has been less disturbance. Uh, th thanks, Irene. Um, so, so first of all, I, I would step back. Um, and if we look at Q2, the first part of Q2, um, as I mentioned in the script, uh, is impacted by Ontario until June 11th. And, uh, and we have some uh, capacity limits, uh, notably in Alberta, which uh, we'll have to deal with and are starting to ease up uh, probably in the second half of June. That being said, once you uh, adjust for the restrictions um, the un underlying uh, performance would be in line with expectations, keeping in mind that we're lapping against strong comps in Q2 last year. Um, consistent with expectations, what were the expectations with which they are consistent? Well, we, we don't provide uh, specific, uh, specific disclosure on that, but uh, what we can say is uh, for the provinces that were not impacted by the restrictions, it is what you would uh, have expected from us based on our historical performance. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going to just stick with this. For, I'm going to take one more attempt at this, JP. So uh, would it be reasonable to expect that the torrid pace of sort of, well, of the first 10 weeks or the first nine weeks of Q1 would not have been maintained, but that nonetheless underlying same-store sales would remain robust? Uh, it, I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to predict uh, how, how Ontario uh, will come back. Uh, and we're right, I'm talking about excluding, uh, excluding right. Ontario. Excluding, oh, excluding Ontario. Ontario. Excluding yeah. Ontario, uh, I think there's, there's good momentum in the underlying business. Um, and, and that's as far as we, we can go on this. Okay. 
Um, in terms of category demand, would there be, you know, would we be continuing to see the strong demand for the types of products uh, that we would have seen strong demand for through the pandemic? So, you know, seasonal, outdoor, uh, household, basic household goods, you know, what's the category demand like, excluding party, for obvious reasons? So uh, when you look at the, the category demand, first of all, keep in mind that last year we had, we had good mixed performance in Q2. Um, and for this year, our, our, for, for Q2, although we don't provide specific uh, guidance on that, uh, we're seeing a decent performance from, uh, from our, our, our seasonal uh, categories. Okay, and one last question uh, from me, and, and then I'll, I'll hand it over. Um, you mentioned the sort of shipping costs, but are you having any – we're hearing a lot of discussion, obviously, around delays in shipping and difficulty in actually accessing containers. Uh, what is your experience currently? So everybody is having a hard time getting containers, Irene, uh, around the globe, and um, nobody is, is – uh, is an exception to that particular challenge. Uh, I would say that uh, Dollarama's business model uh, mitigates those risks more than it does for most because the majority of our goods are proprietary that we import ourselves and therefore we sit on inventory of those goods. That inventory provides a buffer that most people don't have for those goods and that buffer allows us to prioritize which containers are going for which goods at what time to help, to help mitigate the risk of running out of any given item. So to date, uh, the challenges that everybody is experiencing have not impacted our sales. And as long as you know, it doesn't go on for, for a year, that will be the case. But certainly, uh, the, the, you know, the availability of containers and the cost of shipping uh, is, is a major challenge for, for everyone. Understood. Thank you, Neil. Thank you. Thank you. The next question is from Brian Morrison from TD Securities. Please go ahead. Your line is now open. Yes, good morning. If I can just stick on that note, I think that FX in the quarter flowed through at about 130 to 135, and it looks like it's poised to decline pretty sharply in the coming quarter. So, I hear you in terms of the cost inflation, but it's a challenge to see how your gross margin would remain flat. So I'm curious if cost inflation or inflation going forward for the rest of the year is going to be a headwind or a tailwind. So, Brian, it's, it's, it's a mix. First of all, we have our hedges, and our hedges uh, you know, make our costs not the same as spot. Spot is built into the hedge, and the hedge, you know, uh, can be positive when, when, when things are going down and, and look negative when things are going up, but they provide the buyers the tool to know and have visibility on the cost of goods as they're buying them. Um, with that, we have the same challenges as everybody else with higher FOB costs due to increased raw material prices. And at their discretion, they have you know, a, a, a slowly lowering hedge uh, as well as, um, as uh, the ability to do some markups to control their margins. So 
the guidance we're giving on margins, I believe everybody has. And, uh, and, and that's a mix of, of using all the tools at the discretion of the buyers. But, uh, you know, relatively stable is, 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 is probably the best way to look at it. Okay. And then I guess one follow-up question. <clears throat> Can you maybe share with us what percentage of units are non-essential in Ontario? It looks to me like same-store sales growth in Ontario in the month of April was probably down somewhere between 35 and 40%. Yeah, we, uh, we, we don't provide the exact breakdown of SKUs. However, um, we, we do provide uh, the, the, the breakdown between consumables, general merchandise, and seasonal. Uh, it's about uh, 42, 43, uh, 42% uh, consumables, 43% general merchandise, it's 15% seasonal. Uh, you can assume that most of consumables would be essential. Um, that's that's uh, the color we've, we've provided uh, in the past on that. Can you just walking into the store, though, it was, a, it was a shocking number of items that were unavailable. Can you, you can't clarify, you know, just in that percentage of units that were non-essential? No, it's not a percentage that uh, we've disclosed historically and that we will disclose. Okay. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. The next question is from Mark Petrie from CIBC. Please go ahead. Your line is now open. Uh, yeah, so um, I guess just following up on the uh, on the whole topic of inflation and costs, uh, can you, I don't know if there's a way to help quantify the magnitude of inflation in your system at all and, and sort of how you have reflected that in pricing uh, thus far. And I guess maybe if you can't sort of get into that, um, what are you seeing in the competitive environment uh, with regards to price increases? So in terms of inflation, as we've mentioned in the past, we're seeing increase in inbound shipping costs and, and, and product costs, and, and we're working hard to offset uh, those pressures through our refresh uh, and our markups, and that, that leads us to, to be able to provide some color on a generally flattish year-over-year gross margin. Um, and, and that's, that's what we're hoping for, uh, but it's, it's hard to predict how inflation will evolve in the next, in the next few quarters. We're doing our best uh, so far to offset it through, uh, through refresh and markups. Uh, and just any comments with regards to the competitive environment? And I guess sort of specifically in times where we've seen type of potential tailwind with regards to FX and your hedging program, uh, we have seen pretty sizable gross margin expansion, um, but maybe the competitive environment is somewhat different today uh, and maybe a bit of an offset. I I'm not sure. What's your perspective? Uh, the, the pressures on FOBs and the pressures on costs are, are making this a different situation than in the past when you saw uh, a change in the FX. Okay, and and I guess just following up a bit more, just on with regards to sort of price increases, um, how do you consider your competitors' sort of promotional efforts, be it flyers or rollbacks or loyalty? You know, when you consider your price position, given those aren't parts of the of the Dollarama sort of value proposition, does that 
how does that how does that factor in or do you sort of just look at regular price benchmarking um, in your in your in your work the answer is it's painful as, as buyers <laughs> as buyers trying to figure out you know what game to play what strategy to take it's 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 very it's very challenging but I would tell you that uh, the buying team takes everything into account. The everyday price, the advertised price, the once a year ridiculous price, and they use their judgment and decide in, in their categories how they want to remain competitive. But our everyday low price is the overriding strategy that we take. And uh, as you know, uh, we do not play high-low, the high-low game. It's just not something we've ever undertaken. So I think over the course of time, our customers have come to appreciate that that everyday low price is, is our strategy. And, you know, it's a few times a year when people like to give things away, uh, then, you know, th they'll go buy those items at those stores. But for 99% of the year, they understand that we are going to be, you know, right in there as far as having the lowest price in the market. Yeah. And, and I would, I would just add that, uh, I mean, our strategy has always been to be uh, a price follower, not a price setter. And so um, if and when uh, we're seeing the level playing field move, uh, we're adjusting accordingly. Uh, but it's really with a price following dynamic, not a price setting dynamic. Yeah, understood. Thank you for that. Uh, and I also just wanted to just last, just ask sort of a broader question. It's, it's a little bit vague, but just with regards to your store format and and then the footprint um, size of the store. Obviously, the pandemic has changed the landscape significantly. You know, curbside pickup as an example. Uh, obviously, it's going to pull back when stores return to full capacity, but clearly it does have value for consumers and likely remains an option for many companies and your competitors. Um, you know, at the same time, the convenience element of shopping is obviously really important, and clearly Dollarama has been really successful with that. So I guess my question is, you know, do you think there's an opportunity to adjust the size and layout of stores or potentially experiment with different formats uh, in response to some of these shifts and potential opportunities? So we, we do have, uh, you know, just because of the realities of the retail and real estate uh, availabilities over the course of all those years. With, with 1,300 plus stores, we have 3,500 square foot stores like we have 15,000 square foot stores. And so, you know, uh, as, just as a matter of, of, of facts that we have to deal with on the, on the real estate side, we have sort of an innate testing going on at all times on how to handle those different size uh, boxes. Uh, as far as a change of strategy, uh, we have no current change of strategy planned. We're always open to the, you know, to the uh, ability to adapt to the environment, and we're always studying it. But for the moment, uh, we're happy with the current strategy, and we understand how to operate uh, different size boxes. And in different markets, those different size boxes are required uh, in order to be able to secure the real estate that we want. Understood. Appreciate all the comments. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Thank you. The next question is from Peter Sklar from BMO Capital Markets. Please go ahead. Your line is now open. Okay. Thank you, Operator. Um, 
Just wanted to ask you a little bit about your SG&A margin, which you explained during your commentary was like the percentage margin was flat year over year, uh, you know, after taking into account COVID costs. Now, there have been times in the past when sales are growing, you do get operating leverage on your SG&A and show a lower margin because there's a fixed cost element to that. But, you know, now you're showing a flat margin. So are there cost pressures in SG&A as well, like I'm thinking, uh, you know, labor costs, minimum wage. So if you could just drill down a little bit on SG&A. Yeah, so uh, once, as you mentioned, once adjusted for COVID direct costs, our SG&A is generally flat, which is what, what we expected. In terms of the scaling benefit uh, in the SG&A line, uh, most, most of it is, is, is variable on average. Um, so uh, the only thing to note there is as a result of, of uh, the Ontario restrictions, we didn't get the full productivity uh, that we would have liked in, in Ontario, and we managed uh, to keep our adjusted SGNA flat despite that. Uh, and that's probably the, the, only, uh, the only color that, that, that explains uh, the scaling offset. Okay, thanks, JP. And then the other question I, another question I had also addressing Ontario, um, with the, you know, with the limitation on the sale of non-essentials, did you, like, did you change the planogram in your Ontario store? So would, did you offer more, did you change the mix of consumables and food, for example, or any other consumables, or is it the same planogram? So we didn't change the mix for certain. Uh, however, we did highlight on our end caps and in our, uh, the, at the front of our stores, uh, you know, the items that were most relevant to the consumers looking for essential items, making it as easy as we could for those consumers to find the things that they were legally allowed to buy. Okay, I get that. And then just finally, um, uh, I know you get this uh, question every call just on higher price points, but has your language changed around that, you know, given that we're, you know, one quarter closer to higher price points and the inflationary pressures you're seeing? So uh, I'll answer it twofold. One, no, nothing's changed. But two, in, in, in that nothing's changed, we've always told you and will continue to tell you that we're not against adding price points if if the relative value required based on inflation and other factors uh, is what's best for our customers and the offering we can offer them. So for now, there's no guidance to give. Uh, that being said, it's always a possibility. Okay. That's all I have. Thanks, Neil. Thank you. Thank you. The next question is from Vishal Sridhar from National Bank. Please go ahead. Your line is now open. Hi, uh, thanks for uh, taking my question. Um, j just given all, all the, uh, the challenges with shutdowns and changes in consumer behavior, wondering uh, how you're positioning yourself for uh, assortment uh, in summer and fall, and uh, do you anticipate inventory? Uh, I, I know you talked about your deeper inventory uh, relative with the container comment, but do you anticipate any inventory challenges uh, associated with some of these demand spikes? No, we, we, do not, we do not have uh, any uh, challenges 
to ensure that our seasonal goods will be uh, here when they need to be. It's more challenging to make sure it happens but, than it usually is, but it will happen. Okay, and with respect to um, addressing the changes in consumer behavior that have happened uh, rapidly, for, exa for example, uh, you know, more desire for certain seasonal goods, are you changing the space allocated for certain categories to, uh, to meet that consumer's need? Uh, at the end of the day, aside from the goods bought domestically uh, that are produced domestically that there was a demand for, in particular COVID-related cleaning and health products, uh, the reality is that the balance of those goods are for the most part import, and import goods take months to get. And so when, when there's a, a very quick change to what you know, consumers are looking for, uh, the reality is those things don't translate into, into product on the shelves. And you can ask that of every importer slash manufacturer of sporting goods and fishing products and, 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 and camping products uh, and hunting products who are all out of goods and can't get the goods even though there's tremendous demand at the moment because people are having to stay home and find things to do domestically. Uh, so the reality is you can only do so much beyond the things that are manufactured domestically. Okay, um, and just a few general comments on uh, the consumer perception of uh, Dollarama through the pandemic. I, I saw some, uh, some grumbling uh, on social media, and, and it wasn't uh, Dollarama's choice, obviously, but that uh, they'd gone to the store and they weren't able to obtain uh, what they wanted to and, and you know, grumbling about what was available at the store. Um, are, are you... In your monitoring of, of consumer perception of Dollarama, are, are you noticing any changes on the brand as a result of all this, uh, these uh, pandemic uh, restrictions that you have to go through? Well, well, nothing you know breaks the heart of a retailer more than not being able to sell something that you have that the customer wants. Uh, but the reality is, for any you know any given customer's anger that they can't buy what's one inch from their fingers, uh, we need to follow the laws of the land as everybody else does. And we do, you know, we do what we can to do our part to, to enforce those things and follow the rules. And yet we are sensitive to the customer's frustration. And uh, we look forward to the opening, uh, as do all businesses, uh, you know, that have been limited in any way uh, in, in the provinces that are currently, you know, locked down or, or banning certain goods. But uh, there's only so much we can do. Do we worry about our customers? No, I think overall, you know, the vast, vast majority of customers understand we're simply following the rules of the land. And they're super excited, I believe, to get back in the stores and be able to go buy those, you know, gardening and summer and, 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 and picnic things that they've been staring at and, and excited to get their hands on. And we can't wait for them to get their hands on them. Okay, and, um, and just a, a last thing here, given that the consumer is in reasonably good uh, financial shape, uh, do you think that incrementally um, uh, dampens the appetite for a value brand like Dollarama? And uh, obviously your comps aren't suggesting, uh, suggesting that, but wondering, looking forward, if you're seeing any of that uh, incrementally on the margin. Uh, I mean, I think the, the relative value that we're offering is, is realized, as you pointed out, by a lot of our customers. And, and that relative value, as Neil mentioned, 
will remain in the future, and, and we don't anticipate those dynamics to change uh, in the near future, uh, that's for sure. Okay, uh, thanks for taking my question. Thank you. Thank you. The next question is from Karen Short from Barclays. Please go ahead. Your line is now open. Hi, thanks very much. Um, I wanted to just ask about um, freight, uh, actually two questions. So on freight, um, would you be able to provide a little color on what percent of your freight and or containers are spot versus contracted? And then what percent you're actually seeing in terms of an, a dollar or, or you know cost increase year over year? So um, in terms of dollar increase, we 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 don't go there as as uh, I mentioned earlier. Um, as I said, we we're working hard to offset those inflationary pressures and uh, are working hard towards uh, generally flat gross margin year over year. Uh, in terms of uh, what's what's contracted versus spot, uh, the the exact percentages we've we've never disclosed, uh, and and it's it's not it's not something we'll provide at this point. Uh, but I would go back and fall back on on the general gross margin comment uh, to to address your question. Okay, and then um, as you discussed, um, you know, working hard to offset um, these pressures with the markups, is there any color you could give in terms of percent of SKUs on markup, say now versus in like a normal, whenever we go back to a more normal time period, just to help frame how you're thinking about that? No, I mean, the, <clears throat> the, the only comment um, is that uh, we are seeing inflation uh, across across uh, uh, both inbound shipping costs and 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 product uh, cost inflation, and uh, we're we're always getting back to the relative value uh, proposition, which is uh, we'll adjust to the level playing field. If that level playing field moves, we will move. If it stays the same, uh, we'll stay the same. Uh, but for now. We're, we're, we're seeing the level playing field evolve, allowing us to, uh, through refresh and markups, um, be able to offset some of those inflationary pressures. Okay, and then this last one for me, I know you've given the color on SG&A, but um, within, um, excluding the color you gave on SG&A being flat, there obviously will be COVID costs and to the next couple quarters, can you just give us some sense of how you're thinking about that, and or like how much of it is actually now more permanently embedded? Yeah, so uh, it's a good question on COVID costs over the medium to long term. Uh, the the way we've identified them and segmented them, those are costs that uh, for the vast majority will be out of the business once COVID's over. Um, that being said. For for the the coming quarter, I think you should expect COVID costs to be in the same range as what we've seen in in Q1. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. The next question is from Chris Lee from Desjardins. Please go ahead. Your line is now open. Oh, thank you. Um, traffic was down only 3.2 percent. Was that better than your expectation? Because I was expecting traffic to be down more given you know, the restrictions in Ontario. Um, do you think this is a reflection of the fact that, you know, Dollarama is, is, a, is a destination store for essential products and that's why consumers continue to go there? 
even though you know roughly half the store was uh, was closed uh, during part of the quarter. Yeah, two drivers. There's the first one, uh, as you pointed out, uh, and as I mentioned earlier, um, the the underlying business is sound and uh, and and is performing in line with uh, with expectations. Uh, now you also have to keep in mind that in Q1 last year, because this is a year-over-year metric, we're comping against half a quarter. Uh, or so of restrictions. So that plays into the year-over-year uh, traffic and basket size numbers. Great. Okay, that's helpful. Thank you. My other question is just on the, on the self-checkout kiosk. Can you give us an update on uh, where you're at, how many have been installed so far, how many more for, for the year? And then maybe related to that is when all this sort of implemented, do you think this will help the a structural uh, reduction in your in your labor costs, or or is this more of a way to alleviate some of the bottlenecks at the tilt, so that when demand does come back, this will help improve your sales productivity even uh, better. Thank you. Yeah. So our focus is is on client experience first, and uh, that's that's uh, a key driver of our decision to implement self checkouts. Um, in terms of what you can expect for for CapEx um, and, and what's been done and what will be done. I mean, we've done retrofits on, on stores that where, where we thought we would we get the return that we need to get to justify the investment going forward. And now that those low-hanging fruits have been tackled uh, in terms of return on, on capital, uh, we'll be deploying self-checkouts in our new stores uh, uh, as they open over the course of, of the coming year. Okay, sorry. And do you have sort of how many stores are with self-checkout right now, and, and what's your target for the end of the year? Um, we'll we'll uh, we'll get back to you with the uh, with the exact numbers. Okay, thank you. Thank you. The next question is from Edward Kelly from Wells Fargo. Please go ahead. Your line is now open. Yeah. Hi, guys. Good morning. Um, first off, just a, um, a follow-up on, on freight. Can you talk a bit about uh, the timing uh, of when you go through and sort of contract ocean rates? If we look at some of our other, other companies, you know, Five Below seems to have done a good job of sort of getting at it early. We've seen other things at places like Dollar Tree and, you know, this, the impact of that's actually pretty sizable. Um, just kind of curious as to how you manage through this process, and then if spot rates stay as high as they are, um, does that create risk in the out year? Just curious as to how you're thinking about all that. So it's part of the uh, of the daily task, you know, of the of the logistics team. Uh, literally every day, you know, every working day of the year. Uh, which is basically every day of the year. Uh, they are uh, negotiating contracts twice in a year with the different freight companies. Uh, we try to offset the cycles to make it um, more practical and have another uh, sort of insurance uh, in that way that there's different times. Um, for the most part, of course, we're covered through all of our contracts. Uh, and we want to stay away, as a rule, as most big companies do, from spot because 
spot generally uh, has risks, like it would with hedge with with FX, and so we hedge. And so you know that same philosophy is used when we're when we're contracting our freight rates. So based upon where you are today, you, you, do you feel you have pretty good visibility on you know ocean spot or sorry ocean rates? Throughout the rest of the year, or do you know? Do 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 as investors, do we need to sit here and and, and you know closely monitor the fact that spot prices just keep going higher? Uh, I don't think you need to closely monitor. Okay. Um, and then I wanted to ask you just about um, this issue with Ontario and um, you know not being able to sell non-essential items. You know, what have you seen historically when those restrictions come off? Um, and how should we think about, you know, sort of like pent-up demand, I guess, once, you know, we get to July 11th? I know you talked about missing some of the critical summer selling season, but I presume everybody's kind of missed that, right? So uh, how optimistic are you that you're going to be able to um, to capture, you know, the pent-up demand re related to that? Um, the, the short answer is we don't know. Um, it will uh, – what, what we've seen in Quebec – was uh, was a, a strong comeback from the customer. Um, that being said, uh, we don't know how uh, how it will uh, take place and and shape out in in Ontario. We're very eager to see and and look at our SSS figures post June 11th. Um, we're certainly hoping for uh, some level of 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 higher activity, but at this point, it's 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 anyone's guess. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. The next question is from Patricia Baker from Scotiabank. Please go ahead. Your line is now open. Oh, thank you very much, and good morning. Most of my questions have been um, asked and answered. However, I just want to follow up on the discussion of the uh, self checkout. And we did uh, reference the fact that you know you start first with wanting to ensure that you have a great customer experience. I'm just wondering what your what your setup is when in the stores where you have self checkout. Um, how are you manning the cash registers? Do you, do you have a uh, uh, somebody at the cash register uh, even where you have the self checkout so that the consumer makes the choice about what they want to do? Yes, we, we always have a cashier and we always have a self-checkout monitor. And depending on the, 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 uh, the level of, of busyness of the store, uh, we, we could have more than one monitor at the self-checkouts and obviously more than one cashier at the caches. But uh, when, when there are customers and there's a need, we, we have personnel at both. Thank you very much, Neil. Thank you. Thank you. The next question is from Graham Kreindler from 8 Capital. Please go ahead. Your line is now open. Hi. Good afternoon, and thank you for taking my questions. Uh, just one question, um, Neil. And on past conference calls, you discussed the manufacturing environment during COVID. 
um, you know, there was, there was definitely some capacity constraints causing some of the, the producers of goods to focus more on keeping up with demand with existing products and has taken down um, some of the, the innovation. And I think, you know, the lack of trade shows and the like um, could also impact that as well. I, I'm just wondering, uh, does that impacting at all the ability for uh, Dollarama to implement its uh, mixed refresh or potentially um, implement a, a new price point given that would feature a lot of new merchandise? Some, some additional color on that would be appreciated. Thank you very much. Sure. Um, certainly, the, the, you know, the focus on only making masks and hand sanitizers uh, has, has, has evolved into you know, thinking about uh, beyond COVID. Uh, so we're starting to see some return to normal uh, at the manufacturing level. Um, the biggest constraint at the moment is uh, freight and, uh, and the movement of goods uh, around the world. The, you know, the factories of the world are, are, are you know, starting to get uh, ramped back up and, and capable of producing, but their challenge is getting the goods off the factory floor and into containers. And so that's the current challenge for the manufacturers of the world and the retailers of the world. Um, as far as you know, generating you know new and exciting, so to speak, um, it's starting. It's starting. I would tell you uh, there's still a ways to go, uh, but of course we know that consumers' focus on what they want to buy has changed a little. And thankfully, you know, while consumers are more focused on COVID-related things, still uh, the 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 gap of New creations or, 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 or new innovation is, is not having the impact it might in normal times. So I, I'm hoping that as things get back to normal from a creativity perspective around the world, uh, it'll, it, it, it'll come about the same time when people you know, start focusing on uh, the balance of the goods in the store and, and it won't be an issue. But that remains to be seen. Okay, understood. Thank you very much for that. That's it for me. Thank you. And the last question is from Derek DeLay from Canaccord Genuity. Please go ahead. Your line is now open. Yeah, hi. Thanks. Um, I just wanted just uh, to kind of frame the, the new normal, I guess, in Ontario, or at least for the, for the period. So with 15% non-essential capacity, what does that look like in your stores? Are you going to have the full assortment of non-essential items? And, and like, how do you traffic the the amount of people in the stores? So, so there's two questions, I think. One was, how do we control the number of people in our stores? And the other is, is it going to change the offering? Did I understand that correctly? Yep, yep, yep. that's right. Thanks. So the offering doesn't change. Um, the offering remains the same. Uh, where in the store and how much we highlight, you know, COVID-related items may change a bit, uh, and you know if when the reopening starts, if uh, barbecue is is what customers want, then barbecue will be on the end, and COVID will shift over a little. Uh, but it will certainly both will still be in the store and available for our customers. As far as controlling the traffic in our stores, we've gotten pretty good at it <laughs> over the course of this thing, and uh, we have you know we have a monitor. Uh, we do counts. Uh, there's a system in place in all stores to ensure that we're following all the rules of the land 
and doing our part to ensure the safety of our customers and our employees. Okay, great. And and I think you guys meant you guys gave us a breakdown of you know consumable, general, seasonal, as, as you typically do, which was great. Um, I guess outside of Ontario, where uh, you've been able to sell sort of the full suite of products, have you seen that that mix return to normal over the last I don't know few months or, or into Q2? Yeah. So as as I as I mentioned earlier, the once you look at the underlying business and uh, you, you try and remove the restrictions, our, our business and our mix is in line with, with expectations, keeping in mind that we had a strong mix uh, and, 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 and a tailwind from our mix uh, in Q2 last year. Okay, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. That concludes the question and answer session and our conference for today. Please disconnect your lines at this time, and we thank you for your participation. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.